Welcome to Earth Matters, social justice stories from across Australia and the world, produced for 3CR Radio and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Rommeld. This week we're tuning into two very active campaigns in New South Wales. The Nature Conservation Council is working to put an end to land clearing, and solar citizens are working on getting a fair price for solar. Let's start with a conversation with Christy Walters, New South Wales Community Organiser for Solar Citizens. Solar Citizens is a uh, 100,000 strong community organisation that is um, independent um, and working to grow and protect solar in Australia. Um, So we stand up for the rights of uh, solar owners, householders that have solar on their rooftops uh, and also campaign for better renewable energy policies on behalf of of everybody who's a renewable energy supporter. Okay, and when and why did this organisation begin? So back in, uh, I think it was around 2007 or 2008, there was a woman called Lindsay Suter who was getting together with a bunch of her friends and wanting to do something about climate change. Um, And initially they started out saying, well, here are all the ways that individuals can do things. You know, you can change your light bulbs to more energy efficient ones and uh, ride your bike. And, but at the same time, they were seeing articles in the newspapers about new coal-fired power stations that were opening up and coal mines are opening up. And there was this realization that like, well, we can tell individuals to do all of these things, but actually there's a coal mine that's going to have way more impacts than 15 of us changing our light bulbs. Mm. So they decided they need to do something bigger and wanted to work on a positive campaign. And so started the... Uh, 100% Renewables campaign, which is all about getting local community groups all across the country to ask their local MPs to support a 100% Renewables future for Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they did that for about five years. And then around 2013 or so, uh, realised that there was so many people that were, were taking the power into their own hands and actually installing solar on their rooftops. Um, And so Lindsay and a few of the other people that were involved at the time kind of went, well, there's all of these people that might not necessarily be tapped into a a climate action group that's actually wanting to campaign on things, but there's this huge movement of people that are engaged with energy in a different way. And so they decided to change the organisation to Solar Citizens that was about, okay, we have all these people that potentially could be solar advocates, um, and are interested in uh, figuring out how they can use their newly acquired solar panels to best advantage. Um, and so, yeah, decided to, to rebrand and um, focus our energies more on how we can ensure that folks that already have solar can become advocates for that and be more, I guess, political in, in asking for that. stone up the hill again uh, I guess it was around I don't know the exact year but somewhere in the Labor Rudd Gillard government um, they decided to put in a, uh, it was called the Solar Bonus Scheme um, and that was all about providing 
subsidies, um, upfront subsidies, and also a really excellent feed-in tariff, which is where when you've got solar panels um, and you're not using all of the energy that they produce yourself, then you send that energy out into the grid and you get paid a, a, an amount based on, like it's called the kilowatts per hour rate. So um, at the time it was, I think, 60 cents per kilowatt um, that you would get paid for each kilowatt of energy that you send out into the grid. So a lot of people that installed solar um, at the time were making money from, from their own energy, I guess. Um, and if they were really smart, um, installed way more than they could ever use themselves. Mm. Um, and the, so the government did that as a way of incentivizing heaps of people to install solar with the idea that um, at the time solar panels themselves were expensive and so mm. uh, not many people could afford them. And so they needed a way to bring down the cost of producing solar panels in the first place kind of the um, economies of scale stuff, I mm. suppose. Um, and that went really well, much better than the government thought, actually. Mm. turns out that Australians are really keen to take power into their own hands and do the best that they can for a lot of them for their hip pocket, but also for the environment. You know, a lot mm. of people are really proud that they're not contributing to um, burning fossil fuels or contributing much less. Um, and so that went on for quite a while and then and, uh, the government was realising well I guess once there was a change of government they didn't necessarily want to be paying for people to um, you know get a better deal or, mm. that's probably not the right way to say it but anyways um, mm. and so the government in at the end of 2016 decided well we're going to finish this um, high feed in tariff 60 cents and and so that amount was paid by the government. So when the retailers had to cooperate with the government to figure out, okay, you know, so Joe Bloggs down the road has um, produced this much amount of electricity and so then the government would be paying the equivalent amount out to them via mm-hmm. the, the retailing companies. Uh, and so they decided to, to end that. Um, and as of 2017, the the extra amount of energy that people in New South Wales produce, um, it's up to the energy retail companies themselves to decide how much they're going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And in New South Wales at the moment, there is no minimum. So legally, the energy companies can pay you zero cents for even if you produced 100,000 kilowatts of energy. Wow. Yeah. And so there's a bit of a... Um, I mean, the the problem is that there's the, the three big retailers and so there's not enough competition to ensure that the, the price they're paying is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and I, that's how it's happened in New South Wales. Um, Australia-wide, I guess it's a little bit different because energy is regulated at a state level. So mm. there's a whole bunch of different things that are happening. Mm. Um, in, For example, in Victoria, they... Uh, recently introduced a mandatory minimum feed-in tariff that the retailers have to pay. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's government regulated and then the competition kind of starts from a level mm-hmm. um, that it has been worked out to be uh, a fair allocation recognising the environmental health and network benefits that having this extra energy produced from solar panels is creating. Mm. Uh 
the day I was born and took my first breath. Has that had an impact, do you think, in New South Wales since that feed-in tariff ended? Like, has the uptake of solar declined in the last year? Actually, the reverse has happened. Um, So I don't think it's... It's kind of it's gotten to the point where because so many people have installed solar, it's really reduced down the actual price of buying and installing their solar panels mm. because there's so many installers these days and they kind of focus on different areas. Generally, you can get a pretty good deal, and and I guess at the moment with electricity prices just going up and up, people can recognise that. Well, part of my bill is paying for actually producing the energy, whether it's somewhere else or myself. And so if I can produce my own, mm. then I don't have to pay for that. Mm. So it's mm-hmm. at the moment, it's it's actually the only guaranteed way that you can reduce your electricity bill is by putting or sourcing renewable energy from somewhere. And at the moment, a lot of people can do that through solar panels on their roof. Mm. Do you think that keenness to, um, to invest in solar is partly out of people's own sort of sense of disappointment with the direction of climate change and the wild amount of government inaction on the issue. Do you think it's a way that people think that they can affect it um, themselves, that even if they can't um, get the government to change its policy, one thing that they can do right now is is to at least take away their reliance on coal plants? Definitely, yeah. I mean, we talk to people all the time that, want to go completely off the grid because they're just annoyed at how the energy retailers and you know really it's a lack of government regulation that's allowing them to do that Mm. Um, and you know climate change can be pretty overwhelming and so it's a real sense of satisfaction knowing well I'm doing something and it's not just changing my light bulbs it's Mm. actually having a much greater effect Mm. Um, we did some research earlier this year uh, that was looking into what electricity prices in New South Wales would be if there was no rooftop solar. Mm. And uh, so we looked at it was over a year period, um, and over that year, every electricity user, so businesses and households, whoever is using energy, um, saved between $2.2 and $3.3 billion because... People with there's so many people in New South Wales that have rooftop solar and they're putting out electricity at a time when during the day when and that's when the the peak energy use is mm. and because renewable energy is a cheaper form of supplying energy than using um, fossil fuels whether it's gas or or coal-fired power stations um, it actually reduces the price of electricity overall. Wow. And so it kind of really speaks to like, and yet still our energy bills are going up and it's, Mm. and that I think is related a little bit to the um, energy companies just price gouging and and because they know how to play the market and they know where they can make money. Mm. Mm. Um, So yeah, we really need more government regulation around that, I think.
That was Christy Walters, New South Wales community organiser for Solar Citizens. They are currently campaigning for a fair price for solar in New South Wales, a legislated minimum price for a feed-in tariff. If you'd like to get involved, head to their website at solarcitizens.org.au. This is Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. Let's hear now about how the New South Wales government has legislated a green light for landowners to bulldoze native forest and bushland in the interests of agribusiness. Hi, I'm Daisy Barham, the Campaigns Director at the Nature Conservation Council. Thanks very much, Daisy, for joining us on Earth Matters. So we're talking to you today about land clearing in New South Wales. Could you please give us some background to the status of land clearing um, before the laws changed a couple of years ago? Yeah, certainly. So land clearing is, in its most basic form, the bulldozing or destruction of uh, trees um, and bushland across New South Wales. It's a huge issue. Our own EPA um, found finds that habitat loss and land clearing is the biggest threat to nature in the state. Wow. We only have 9% of New South Wales is in a healthy and near natural condition. So, you know, every bit of habitat we're losing is chipping away at that healthy 9% that we have. Mm. And that's why land clearing in New South Wales is such an important issue, mm-hmm. is that we have very heavily cleared landscape a uh, very fragmented landscape. You know, mm. if you look at satellite of huge areas of our state, mm. the amount of like little pockets of bushland are really quite small mm. in some are- areas, and we just really can't afford to lose anything else, like lose those those pieces that are left. Mm. And so we had relatively strong laws up until 2016, um, mm. when the New South Wales government literally got rid of the previous legislation and introduced um, a new piece of law. Mm which really just made it much easier for um, landholders to bulldoze trees. What was the impetus for those changes? Why did that happen in 2016? So literally two days before the 2015 state election, so back in March 2015, the Liberal Party, National Party and the New South Wales Farmers signed this MOU saying that they would get rid of the existing laws and make it much easier for landholders to clear trees mm-hmm. uh, and so that's that's why it's been a long-standing issue that you know many powerful MPs powerful national party members and members of parliament don't like you know they want to be able mm. to do whatever they want mm. um, and so it's been an issue that the national party has long campaigned on mm. um, and so finally look, before the last election they sort of saw their opportunity to get the liberals to agree mm-hmm. to, to gut the conservation laws Okay. And ahead of that, um, had most clearing been done sort of historically um, over the last couple of hundred years? And then was have, have we seen a rapid increase since 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. So there, there certainly is um, quite a lot of clearing that happens um, even under the old laws, which were relatively good. At least 7,000 hectares of clearing happened every year. So people, yeah. some of your listeners might be aware of the massive problem of land clearing in Queensland, yeah. where 400,000 hectares were bulldozed in the last year. 400,000 hectares. In the last year? Yeah. That's the equivalent of um, like a football field every 30, is it every three seconds? Yeah, one football field every three seconds is the amount of clearing in Queensland. Oh. It's absolutely out of control. Um, And the Queensland government is trying to tighten those laws. Mm. So to bring us back to New South Wales, like, sure, the volume of clearing is less, 
But because we have such a heavily cleared landscape, mm. the actual like biodiversity implications of the clearing are really quite significant, mm. um, particularly in some areas that are even more heavily cleared. And what's the purpose of the land clearing? Yeah, land clearing is driven by a few different things. Like most of the reason why, well, there's two main reasons why land gets cleared. One is for grazing, so people running um, cows in particular on their properties. Mm. Um, and the second is to grow crops. So if people want to sow in you know, wheat, for instance, mm-hmm. um, then they'll clear, want to clear the trees to mm-hmm. start with. Mm. Um, so, but in the state like New South Wales, we have so much land that's already cleared. Mm. So much of it is really marginal. You know, we just don't need to be clearing any more mm. um, anymore land. Mm. And there's been really interesting scientific papers which have looked at actually the benefits of having some trees left on your property, mm. particularly for stock. That really like you know cows that really like to have some shade around when it's mm. really hot. Mm. Um, like a good amount of tree cover has also been shown to um, encourage more rainfall, mm. and so properties that literally are you have no trees left standing um, are likely to to receive less rain. Mm. So there's also like flow on benefits even for farming communities to mm. keeping trees in the landscape, mm. and many farmers get that. I think that's one of the things that's been um, a bit misconstrued in the land clearing you know, debate happening in Australia is mm. that this pitch that it's environmentalists versus farmers. Mm. And it's not. It's environmentalists and a lot of farmers mm. on one side against big agribusiness um, from the you know, big end of town mm. um, on the other side that really want to, to gut conservation laws. code that's in now what does that involve say a private property owner wants to clear some land what do they have to do now it's a great question it's not a particularly easy one to answer there's many different like ways that landholders can clear land some of it's under the codes as you've said and some of them through other mechanisms so it is really complicated what the new laws were intended to do really was to give people many different options you know if one option you went down and said no you can't clear there would be another way that you could um could kind of clear so the government was quite um clear in stating that the aim of this of this legislation was to make it easier for people to you know manage their land as as government would put it um but in in summary um the legislation makes it easier for um people to clear say paddock trees so Mm -hmm. some of your listeners might you know, live out in the bush and, and know the importance of really big old trees in mm. the landscape because they're the ones that have hollows for you know, many different animals and mm. um, birds that are important for nesting in other stages throughout their life. So one example of this new code makes it much easier for those paddock trees to be uh, cleared. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, you touched on it with the hollows and the owls, but what are the, some of the consequences for biodiversity and erosion i guess um for such a large increase in land clearing to um to be happening or to be allowed to happen across a broad scale Mm. 
Yeah, one of the animals that we focus on um, at the Nature Conservation Council, of course, is the koala, you know, such an iconic, beautiful Australian animal. But it literally is on the brink of extinction in many parts of New South Wales. You know, previously an area mm. called the Pilga um, in the north, um, well, north east, northwest, depending on where you live in the state. Mm. Um, you know, beautiful green um, patch. If you look at the satellite map of New South Wales, quite a big temperate woodland. In the past, that's been a, like a refuge for koalas. Um, but in the past of 10 years, their numbers there have absolutely plummeted because of impacts um, like extreme weather events. So we're starting to see mm. climate change having an impact on, on species like the koala. Mm. But we also know that habitat loss is absolutely huge. Mm. You know, most animals rely on some form of connectivity between the landscape, you know, a, need the ability to move from one area to another. The problem in New South Wales is these bits of, of land where we have trees left are often the last in the landscape. So if you get rid of them, you'll disru- you can really disrupt that connectivity, mm. which then stops animals kind of moving across the landscape. Mm. Um, so that's a, a huge um, problem that we've seen. We certainly know in Queensland there's been a lot of examples from wildlife carers mm. that have seen you know a lot more koalas coming into their care, for instance, because of the huge amount of land clearing that's mm. happening there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these laws, they really are like an animal welfare issue as well because what happens is trees will get um, bulldozed, mm. then they'll usually get sort of all pushed into a pile and then set alight. Mm. So any animals are often like left in those piles mm. will literally just get lit. So recently, NCC launched uh, an appeal or, or a court action um, against the code. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So last November, you're spot on, we launched legal action against the New South Wales government, challenging one of the worst elements of the land clearing law, which is this code, which pretty much allows landholders without any ecological assessment to do what they want in large mm. parts of the land. So we took the government to court. We said, you haven't considered ecologically sustainable development when you made this code. Um, And the environment minister didn't even sign off on these codes Mm. until they'd already taken effect. So those are the Mm -hmm. two issues that we were taking the government to court on. Um, We were told we have won now. Mm. The court case um, got expedited. The government conceded that we'd won. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. It's not often that you um, <laughs> that you always win in, in, in the environment space. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a great outcome. Mm. Um, so what that meant is that the government had to rewrite that code. So the government okay. had an opportunity to rein in the clearing mm. um, and, you know, note or change in response to community uh, perception because we know that people want less clearing, not more. Mm. Uh, And yet they didn't. Like, literally the next day after our court case victory, the government just rewrote the code exactly the same as they had it before. The next day? The next day. It's outrageous. Which is a pattern of, you know, governments across New South Wales, but Australia as well. Mm. You know, the community takes some really important legal action and then literally immediately the government just rewrites the law. Which is why legal cases are really powerful, but they can only ever be part of a... You know, part of a campaign, mm, which is why like, building people power 
exposing the problem in the media. Yeah. All of those other um, elements of campaigns are really important. Mm. Um, that must have been so frustrating and kind of crushing after having one fantastic victory and then seeing the government just do what you probably suspected that they might do or could do, but um, I'm sure we're pushing really hard to have to have for them to step back and take some time and, and take stock at what had just happened and what was coming from the community. So now that that's happened and the, the code is reinstated, what um, what happens next or what what's your next sort of strategy? Mm, yeah, good question. So next what we're doing is we are talking still with the Environmental Defenders Office, a great of fantastic environmental lawyers, mm. um, talking to them about well, what other legal opportunities are there because legal cases are really important levers. Um, so that's one part of the strategy. Secondly, we're, ex- we're exposing the clearing. One of the mm. problems we face with land clearing is that it often happens areas way far away from where most of people in New South Wales live. Mm. So it's not hard for people to get a clear sense of what is land clearing, why does it matter, you know, what is it happening now. Yeah. And so we find you know, imagery, video, photos, personal stories, mm. telling the impact of clearing is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're working with farmers and landholders across New South Wales to mm-hmm. try and expose examples of clearing. Of course, of people power, you know, every mm. essential element of, of um, effective campaigns is mm. when our politicians know that people care about yeah. the issue um, and that we're not going away. So, um, you know, we'll, I would encourage people to go to our website at nature.org.au and, and um, join up to the campaign so that we can tell you when there are really important actions to take. Yeah. Um, because we know we have one year from the state election now, we know all political parties are going to be looking around for what issues they need to respond to the mm. community on. So, yeah, the more concern that's expressed from the community about this crisis, the better. Mm. So you want to make this an election issue for the New South Wales election? Absolutely. I mean, we yeah. need all parties to commit to ending land clearing. Mm. And not just ending land clearing, but restoring the landscape. Mm. It's such a heavily cleared landscape. We really need to be keeping the trees and forest and beautiful bushland we have, mm. but then also investing in regenerating um, New South Wales as well. Yeah. Thanks to our guests on today's show, Christy Walters from Solar Citizens and Daisy Barham from the Nature Conservation Council. I'm Jem Rummeld and I produced this show on Gadigal land for 3CR Radio in Melbourne and to be broadcast across Australia thanks to the wonderful Community Radio Network. We'd like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support And if you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr, the number, at gmail.com. Or call up the station on 03-9419-8377. Our podcasts are available on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. The music on this week's show is from CatGut. Thanks for tuning in. through the weather 
that we know is sure to come Built from bricks and stone So gladly given On land that is not stolen The work is hard The labor is slow And it is not done alone My friends enjoy this garden's bounty My heart, it burns to make this our home My heart, it burns to make this our home Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. 